Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 6, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Before we get started, I want to read you something. The old first church pulpit committee was looking, seeking a full-time pastor. So this letter was returned to the church pulpit with these comments. The letter reads this. As per your instruction, we consider a number of candidates to fill your pulpit vacancy, and after much investigation, here are our conclusions and recommendations. We looked at a man named Noah. He's a moral man, a strong family man. He has more than 100 years preaching experience, but hasn't had one single convert. Rejected. We looked at a man named Moses. He showed evidence of intolerance and a fiery temper, There was a rumor that we couldn't verify that he'd killed a man with his bare hands, hardly the kind of man we need in the deacons meeting. And beside this, he has a terrible stutter. Rejected. We talked to a guy named Abraham. He ran away to Egypt when times got hard and got in trouble with the authorities and tried to lie his way out of it. Rejected. We searched and found a guy named David, who had excellent leadership qualities, but had unacceptable moral character. We would have considered him for the position as music minister had he not fallen, rejected. We interviewed a man by the name of Solomon. He had a good reputation for wisdom, but doesn't practice what he preaches. Evidence of marriage trouble, rejected. We interviewed a man by the name of Elijah, He was a strong preacher, but known to fold under pressure. He was given to bouts of depression, rejected. We found a man named Isaiah, who was a man of unclean lips. He even admits it himself, rejected. A guy named Amos, no seminary training, rejected. And then we got a hold of a guy named John the Baptist. He was a good preacher. He was a strong Baptist, He lacks tact and manner and dresses like a hippie. Rejected. And so we found a guy named Peter and on more than one occasion actually denied that Jesus even existed or that he even followed Jesus, not the man we want to lead our outreach program. Rejected. And then we came across Paul who had a reputation for long sermons that put people to sleep. He has published a lot of books, but they don't seem to have been read much, rejected. And then we interviewed a guy named Timothy. He has potential, too young, inexperienced, rejected. We talked to and interviewed a guy named Jesus of Nazareth. 
can't seem to preach without offending the congregation. On occasion, he has run out of churches, been run out of churches. Rumor has it that his parents weren't married when he was born. Members of his family have been quoted to say that he has a bit of Messiah complex. He thinks he can save the world. He has no formal training, and his style of preaching is way too simple. In general, he's far too controversial, rejected. Although we are happy to report that there is one man that stands out above the rest. He's a people person, compassionate, concerned about the poor. Evidence is great that he has initiative. He's considered or concerned about waste. He has an, he has an excellent fundraising ability and has experience dealing with the rich and the powerful. The committee unanimously recommends for your consideration as pastor of your church, Judas Iscariot. Far too true. In your Bibles, Luke chapter 6, look at verse 12. We're going to read through verse 19. Luke 6, looking at verse 12. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. And it came to pass in verse 12. In the days that he went out to, what saints? Pray. And went to the mountain to pray. And continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Here are the twelve that were chosen. Simon, whom he also called, who saints? Peter. And Andrew, his brother. James and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas, who, is, who was also, be, who also became a traitor. And he came down in verse 17 with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude, in verse 19, sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. You have to get the scene here. There are multitudes following Jesus from Judea. The Decapolis, perhaps you're taking notes, you might want to write this down, The Decapolis means the ten cities from Tyre and Sidon. Scholars feel at this time that there were 20 to 50,000 people following Jesus. The fame of Jesus is spreading and people are following. And people are following Jesus because of the demonstration of the power of God. People are just touching him from our text. Are you getting me? People are just touching him and being healed. Virtue is leaving him when people touch him. I can't get my mind around that. Virtue is leaving him. What did that feel like? When somebody touched him, something left his body. Virtue. And people were being healed. Demons were being cast out. Sick people were in this crowd. 
There were lepers in this crowd. There are Pharisees and Sadducees in this crowd. There are Romans in this crowd. There are Gentiles in this crowd. Saints, listen, I tell you all that to tell you this. This already, here we see that this crowd is a very diverse crowd of people being drawn together. And why are they being drawn together? Because of the demonstration of the power of God. Saints, I'm looking at a room right now of a crowd of people that is drawn together because of the demonstration of the power of God. I'm looking at a diverse group of people right here. You don't come to hear me. You actually come because God is doing a work here. You come because the presence of the Lord is here. You come because you feel welcomed here. And it's a very diverse crowd. I am amazed, always amazed, in this room right now. This crowd right now is so diverse. From where I'm standing, you can't see it. But from where I'm standing, this crowd is so diverse right now. There are black people here. There are white people here. There are Hispanic people here right now. There are Asian people here from, say, 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 say Japan and China. There are Indian people here right now. There are people here that are major executives in their companies. There are people here that work at Lowe's. There are people here that work at McDonald's. There are people here that don't have a J-O-B. Say amen. amen. Y'all like, yeah, well, that, that's me. I'm in there. <laughs> there are all kinds of people here. What I love about this church is that when we come here, what we are and what we do and what we do in the world and all of these other things, it does not matter. We come together because of the demonstration of the power of God. We come together for Jesus. Is that right? Is that right? And it doesn't matter. And that's what I love about this church. I was just talking to someone last week. They live across the street from a church, this couple. And they decided to go to the church right across the street. It's convenient. Save on gas. Amen. So they went to the church. And someone at the church told them at the front door that this wasn't the church for them. Yeah, every single one of us should go, that's shocking. And we call ourselves Christian. When did the church become so diverse? You read a cursory read of the book of Acts, and you can see that was one diverse church. The problem that folks was having with them speaking in tongues is that people were from all over the place. The Spirit of God fell on them, and they all began to speak with tongues, praising and worshiping God. The church was very diverse in the book of Acts. When did the church become so segregated? That is not of the Lord. Listen, there's nothing more not like Jesus than being a separatist and I'm going to say it, a racist. Somebody clap their hands. Would you do that? There's nothing more like, not like Jesus. And you know, I got to tell you something. I told him second, I'll tell you third. Listen, it is not, it is not. Uh, we hear people say, I'm colorblind. We hear people say that all the time. I'm colorblind. I'm just, I don't see color. I don't see color. Let me tell you something. Pastor Rodney sees color. 
And there's nothing wrong with seeing color. See, some people think that if you see color, that makes you a racist. That doesn't make you a racist. God is a God of color. Hello, take a look at creation. Our God is a God of diversity. And it is okay to see color. Please, Pastor Rodney is black. Did y'all know? <laughs> Did y'all know? I'm, I'm just making sure. And it's okay to see color. I see you as who you are. And I see you as the beautiful person that God has made you to be. It's okay to see color. You're only a racist if, in fact, you treat someone differently because of their color. That's what makes you a color. But to say that, I mean, a racist, but to say that I don't, <laughs> makes you a color. But <laughs> you've been drawn and colored in. And uh, that's what makes you a racist. If you treat me different because I am black, or I treat you different because of you're the race that, you're, that you are, that's what makes you a racist. But God is a God of color. God is a God of diversity. God established his church, and his first church was a church of diversity. And can I tell you something? His last church will be a, a church of diversity. Did you hear me? The church that gathers in heaven will be made up of every nation, tongue, and tribe of people. And if you cannot... If you cannot get along with your brothers and your sisters who are of a different nationality or race than you are here on earth, you are going to hate heaven. Really, you're going to hate heaven because folk going to be bothering you because you, everybody going to know who you are. They're going to be ready to pick you out. You're going to hate heaven because there's going to be all kinds of people. Anyone who is redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, who is saved, and been sanctified, that means set apart for God's purpose, been washed in the blood, forgiven of their sins, received the Holy Spirit, and received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They are part of the church. Doesn't matter what race they are. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. We'll do that. And already, I tell you all that to tell you this, already in Jesus' ministry, he is breaking down the boundaries and the cultural and the social differences between people. Already we can see that here. And in the midst, now all of these people are gathering together from our text, stay with me. All of these people are gathering together. And in the midst of all of this commotion, Jesus pulled away from the crowd and he prayed and he prayed, Father, who should I choose as my 12 disciples or my followers? Keep in mind, there were hundreds, might I even mention thousands to choose from. So Jesus prayed, Father, who should I choose? And the Father told him who to choose. And I'm sure Jesus is looking at this list of apostles and disciples, and he looks at them. He goes back to prayer and says, Father, are you sure it's them? Maybe we should discuss it. Now, two things I want to tell you, I want to make note of before we move on. We're going to look at each one of these names really briefly today. Uh, I want to tell you two things before we move on. Number one, I have always found it interesting that Jesus is the son of God, God in the flesh. He was fully God, fully man. And yet we learn here and we see from other places in scripture that Jesus depends on on the Father in prayer. 
you guys, we don't, we don't really, really understand or take advantage of the privilege of prayer. We really don't. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Get a headache. First thing I think, Excedrin. I should think prayer. Now, my wife, she's a little better at it. I get a headache. Honey, I got a headache. She goes, let's pray. I'm going, yeah, start praying. Let me go get the Excedrin. I'll come back. I mean, we do. Little things like that. Instead of saying, you know what? Hey, maybe I should pray first. Maybe the Lord will take the headache away. I won't need the Excedrin. But we don't really take advantage of prayer. We know that Jesus was a man of prayer, and yet, and he depended on the Father for everything. The Bible tells us that we need to go to the Lord in prayer for everything and make our requests known to God in everything. You know, somebody once said that you can't do anything until you've prayed, but there's nothing you can't do after you've prayed. I like that. You can't do anything until you've prayed. But there's nothing you can't do after you've prayed. Jesus depended on God. How is it that we think we can depend on God less? Does it make sense? Prayer was a key element in the life and the ministry of Jesus. The second thing I want to tell you quickly is that we can see from this list of men that God called that they were ordinary guys. God takes ordinary men, listen, to do extraordinary things. I'm going to say that again in case you were asleep. God takes ordinary men, mankind, not men, gender, mankind, to do extraordinary things. None of these guys that we're going to look at this morning have a degree from seminary, None of them are professors. None of them are wealthy. These guys are fishermen and tax collectors, and if you will, a bunch of losers. And it's God who will take and train and empower and send them on a mission to change the world. So after Jesus prayed, he chose the 12 apostles. Now listen, you might want to write this down. There were many disciples but there were only 12 apostles. Did you get that? There were many disciples, but only 12 apostles. The word disciple means a follower. It means a learner. The word apostle means an ambassador. So Jesus took 12 of them and kind of graduated them, if you will, from learner to missionary, from missionary to ambassador. I see saints, listen, an order here. First, you become a learner. It is important first to become a learner. Before you start serving the Lord, it is important that you become a learner. So many people, I've even seen it. People become a Christian this week and next month they're going to start a church. You need to become a learner. That's why here at Calvary Chapel, we encourage people when they come to the church We don't encourage people to get in ministry. No one has approached you and asked you to be in ministry in the first six months that you are here. Nobody will. Because we encourage people, come to the church first of all, before you start serving, before you get involved in ministry, come sit and be a learner. Learn the word. Soak in the word. 
Sit in the dugout, if you will, and get planted and let your roots grow deep and, and you start growing deep in the word of God. And then learn what your gifts are as you're becoming a learner. Learn what your gifts are and watch this, learn what your gifts are not. Did you hear me? Some folks need to know what their gifts are not. Y'all, y'all want me to start preaching? They say, go ahead. Some of, I mean, some people think they're being a blessing when actually they're being a curse. They think they got this gift and that gift and this gift. And that. No, you don't. You're not gifted in that area. You need to go find a children's ministry or something or change diapers in the nursery. But you sing is not your gift. Maybe in the shower, but not at the church. <laughs> we got to learn what our gifts are not. It's very important that we become a learner before you be, uh, go out and before you start taking the gospel out. You need to go and have a message. Some people are going and they have no message. Going and saying what? If you don't know the word of God, what do you have to say? That's why I honestly believe, guys, I didn't say this second, first, or second, I'll tell you. That's why I, act, I honestly believe that there is so much uh, non-teaching, proper doctrine, good theology in the pulpits in America today. Because they didn't sit down to learn the word first. They, were, they got saved and like, oh, God's calling me into the ministry. And you go out and say, What? You got to take time and learn the word. You got to sit a while. That's why we like you to come sit a while. Then go and say, hey, how can I serve? And sitting a while is very practical. You get to learn what the ministry is all about. And, And you get to learn, hey, you might three months from now, you might realize, hey, I don't even like this church. And then you might move on. And three months from now, we might realize we don't like you. Um. I mean, things happen, but you need time for that to happen, a time to become a learner. Then once you become a learner, then it's time for you to begin to give out. Listen, in Israel, there are two main bodies of water in Israel. First, you have the Sea of Galilee and you have the Dead Sea. It's very interesting because the Sea of Galilee, been on it many times, it is beautiful. The Sea of Galilee has an inlet and an outlet. The Sea of Galilee's inlet is from the Jordan River. Water comes into the Sea of Galilee and then there is an outlet. And because there is an inlet and an outlet, are you listening? Because there is an inlet and an outlet, everything in the Sea of Galilee is living and everything is fresh. And everything around it is living and everything around it is flesh is fresh because there's an inlet and there's an outlet. The second body of water, major body of water in Israel is the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea has an inlet, but it does not have an outlet. And because it doesn't have an outlet, everything in the Dead Sea is dead, Nothing is living in the Dead Sea and nothing around the Dead Sea is living. Everything in it is dead. I've showed you guys, some of y'all have been around here for, I don't know, maybe seven, eight, ten years, maybe, you know. I've shown you pictures of me in the Dead Sea. In the Dead Sea, everything is dead. There's so much, I want to say, somebody told me it was like 25% salt deposit and then they have 
other minerals in it. As a matter of fact, it's so, so many minerals and salt deposits that you cannot drown in the Dead Sea. You can't go underwater and stay because you would just buoy up. As a matter of fact, I took a picture some years ago, showed it to the church of me in the Dead Sea, laying on my back, reading a newspaper. That was when I had hair, luscious, beautiful hair then. You can tell that was a really long time ago. But nothing lives in the Dead Sea because there is no outlet. Saints, it is important. Christian, listen, if your life is boring, if you think the Christian life is boring, are you listening? If you think the Christian life is boring, you feel bored, like nothing's going on, nothing's happening. Listen, I'm going to just ask you to just check this one area. Is there an inlet and an outlet in your life? The inlet is coming to church. I'm sure that's your inlet. You come to church, you hear the word of God, you're getting stronger in the word of God. That is a good thing, but you can't just kind of get spiritually fat on the word of God. I'm just trying to help you. You can't just get spiritually obese on the word of God. So many Christians are spiritually obese on God's word. You have no outlet. You've got to find an outlet, someone to disciple, someone to pour into. Maybe they're at work. Maybe they're at school. Maybe they are your neighbor. Whomever they are, find the dog. I used to preach to my dog. Practice my sermon on my dog. Trying to teach him to say amen, hallelujah. He never really got that. You got to have an outlet, and that keeps you fresh. That keeps things coming in and going out. You would be surprised what that will do for your Christianity as there is an inlet and an outlet. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.